0: a little earlier on purpose and uh want to be done extra I, I honestly just for the record sunday night i I didn't I'm terrible that way I, I didn't think there was I didn't expect anything so I didn't think anything after the service I was trying to get you out of here at six o'clock and of course we had you guys had other plans but uh, again thank you for that it was very kind of you Colossians uh, chapter four. We're going to finish this chapter tonight here, regardless whether we finish or not, is the plan here. So verse 19, we'll start reading verse 19. Let's read to the end of the chapter responsibly. Allow me to begin in verse number 19 and read the other verse with me, please, to verse 31. Galatians 4, verses 19 through 31, and reading responsively. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now, and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do, not, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman." But he who was of the bond woman was born after the flesh. But he that was of the free woman was by, by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from the, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar, Mount, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Which is the mother of us all. For it is written, "Rejoice, thou that thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travail, travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than the she which hath an husband." Now we, brethren, as Isaac are the children of promise, but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture, cast out the bondwoman and her child, for the son of the bondwoman shall be not heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Admittedly, uh, uh, at service reading of one of the more difficult New Testament passages to, to uh, digest here. A lot of material in here. We probably should take longer than one message, but we'll see if we can do the best we can. Just in way of rapid review, on the worksheet, we've looked at chapter 1 of this Living Liberty book of Galatians. Um, and we saw that Christians are born free, purchased by the gospel. Chapter 2, we saw freedoms fight. And uh, we have liberty in Christ. Chapter 3, we Christians speak, can be bewitched or deceived into believing salvation to be secured or finished by works. And of course we're in chapter 4, the fourth message in chapter 4, or third message, whatever it is. The sons of liberty. We looked at uh, Roman numeral 1 and 2 already. We said, saw verses 1 through 11, the dispensational argument. At different times God deals in different ways with different people. And then, of course, three weeks ago now, it's been three weeks since we've had our lessons, uh, the sentimental argument, and that's verses 12 to 18. And uh, Paul beseeches them, you loved me when I came to you, but now you hate me because I tell you the truth. It leaves us tonight with the, the allegorical argument in verses 19 through uh, 32. And Abraham's two sons, one was of the flesh and the other was uh, of the of uh, other of faith, so ones of the flesh, the others of faith, There's a fill in the blank words, and let's look at this passage before us here. Paul's already used a sentimental argument to speak to them. He's used a dispensational argument that a different time time period has now come upon us in this age of grace. Now, in verse number nineteen through the end of the chapter, he deals with this allegorical argument. look at if you would please. Uh, verse number twenty-four. It is we see the word allegory. Which things are an allegory? <clears throat> now, a parable is a supposed story with a uh, to illustrate a a certain truth. A supposed story to illustrate used to illustrate a certain truth. Uh, we often say a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly application. But an allegory. What's the what's the difference between an allegory and a parable? Well, an allegory. It's based on a true story. In this case, the history of Israel and Ishmael, or, or Isaac, pardon me, Isaac and Ishmael. And we see these two sons. So we, Paul starts off in verse number 19. He says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He's, he's agonizing right now. He's saying, you know, he's pleading to them from a, the spiritual father's standpoint. He says, My little children, I'm, I'm beseeching you. I tell Christ to be matured in you. You haven't grown up. You're going falling back into works righteousness and the idea that you got to keep your salvation by works. He goes on to say, verse number 20. I desire to be present with you now, and to change my voice, uh, for I stand in doubt of you. I mean, some of the word of God is just so practical. Paul said, I'm writing you a letter, but I wish I could be there in person, and then I wish I could change my voice. So I know you're so used to hearing me. By the way, it's one of the pastor's conundrums, my, myself highly at the top of the list. I feel sorry for you. You have to listen to my same voice over and over and over and over and over and over again. And one reason why we bring in, uh, yeah, I heard that a bit. <laughs> It's tough, I know. You hear the same, same type of voice and uh, that's why it's nice to have special speakers. You know, sometimes a special speaker can come in and say the same thing that I've been saying but just in a different way with a different voice inflection and you'll get it from him Whereas you might not get it from me. Paul said, listen, I've talked to you, Tom, blue in the face. And uh, I've written to you, and I wish I could change my voice so you'd really listen up. He's just saying, he, he, basically, verses 19 and 20, he's saying to them, I want you to get this. I want you to understand. And uh, I want you to understand the difference between law and grace, and that we're under grace. Then we get to verse number 21, and he begins, and Paul uses this often, this chiding method and we see this in other parts of the word of God as well. He says, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? Uh, do you know what you're saying? Do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're wishing? Tell me. Pardon me, this is Marty Schott's slang. I mean, he's, not, he wouldn't be, he's much nicer in this, but he says, he's saying to them in a roundabout way, hey, tell me, are you that stupid? Do you really want to be under the law? And are you that dumb? Pardon me for using slang, but I'm trying to get the point across. Paul says, tell me, do you actually think that the law is superior to grace? Evidently, you do. He already said in verse number, chapter 3, verse 1, oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who has deceived you? Having begun in the, the, the spirit, are you never made perfect in the flesh? So he's chiding them. But now we get to verse number 22. And he now goes back to the word of God, and he's building this allegorical argument. For it is written, he says, let me, okay, you that love your law, let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's go back to the Pentateuch. Let's go back to the law. Let's go back to the books of Moses. What did he say? You don't want to blame me? Listen to what Moses said. So he says in verse number 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons. Now they knew this story backwards and forwards. And like most of you in this room here, pretty much all of, his, all of us in this room know that Abraham had two sons. First son was named who? What was his name? Ishmael. He was born by Hagar. Let's see. So the first son was born, to Abraham was Ishmael born by Hagar. Now remember how Hagar came into the picture. When we get Sarah and Abraham, remember both, you know, they didn't have children. Abraham left the early Chaldees when he was 75. He's uh, ninety years old. He still doesn't have kids. Doesn't have a boy. By the, but he had the, you know, they confide, con- conceived that ridiculous plan. Sarah's the, the progenitor or the, 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 uh, the originator of this, this cockeyed plan. She says, "She says to Abraham, 'Why don't you go into my concubine? Why don't you go into my handmaid Hagar?'" And we know what that's caused for the last 3,500 years, you know. it gives us our Ilme, Il, uh, the Omars and the, uh, I'm talking about the, the squad and from uh, the, uh, a couple of members of the squad in uh, Congress, if you know what I'm talking about. can't think of the names, Omar and Talib, I guess. All is a product of uh, Ishmael here, if you will. And so he begins to say, verse, let's skip down to verse number 24 because it's a very key verse. He says in verse 21, or 22 rather, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by the bondmaid, that's Hagar, and the other by the free woman, that's Sarah. Of course, she's going to have Isaac. Now, he goes down and he says, verse number 24, which things are an allegory, a true story, uh, to to teach a, a spiritual higher truth. To two real sons, Ishmael and, and uh, Isaac. For these are the two covenants. There's that word covenants that we talk about a little oftentimes when we get theological. We have an old covenant, Old Testament, and a new covenant, or a New Testament. And then there's a number of different covenants in the Bible that we see. Um, Schofield identifies eight major covenants in the Word of God, but um, covenants for contractual agreements. But the two main ones we said the covenant of the law in the Old Testament and then the covenant of grace in the New Testament. And uh, this is basic, by the way, uh, the basic foundations of what's called covenant theology, by the way, which I totally agree with. There's covenants. The Bible says there's covenants. So here it talks so about these two covenants. The one, it says, verse 24, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth, to bondage, which is Hagar or Hagar. So Hagar represents, this is a bondwoman, and uh, she's, she's not Jewish, if you will. She's from down south, where it's Sinai Peninsula. And when we think of, remember when Moses came out of the, the Egypt and the children of Israel, he came to Mount Sinai. And that's where he got the what? You got the law, right? You got the Ten Commandments. And remember, remember. if we were to go back to Exodus 19, we get the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. What would happen to anybody that touched the tip of uh, Moses? Went up to get the law, remember? What would happen to anybody that, uh, man or beast, that touched the, just the base of Mount Sinai? What would happen to them? They'd die. No man, for so, should the whole law and yet offended at one point, he's guilty of all. There's no, no, nobody's ever kept the law. Nobody can ever keep the law, of course. And uh, Moses got the law, and, uh, and uh, as they say, the rest is history. So we see this, this, these two children, one children under, uh, representative of the old covenant, or the law, in other words, that would be Ishmael, and one slave girl named Hagar, which is under the law, and then the new covenant of grace. Symbolized by Sarah and the free woman, and by her son Isaac. Of course, Isaac means what? Laughter, right? Isaac means laughter. And uh, man, I'm actually glad that grace ought to put a smile on your face, by the way. It ought to cause you even to laugh and joy unspeakable, full of glory. But law ought to cause you to fear. And uh, the one, the old covenant, represents. Ishmael, a son born after the flesh. So we cannot please God in the flesh. It's impossible. Can't do it. And yet we try back to Galatians 3 1 again. I want you to see the verse, verse 2, I'm sorry, Galatians 3, 3 3 it is. I'm sorry. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you not made perfect by the flesh? The flesh, is, the flesh, we cannot please God. There's no works righteousness. Paul called all his righteousness as filthy rags. So we have the old covenant. Let's review one more time. The old covenant which represents the law is represented in the person of Hagar, the bondwoman. There's no life there. There's only death there. She has a son. His name is Ishmael. Of course, he's born after the flesh, and he's trying to work. And by the way, the offspring of, uh, not, not all the offspring, but a lot of the offspring of the Arab or the, of Hagar, or Ishmael rather, are a large percentage of them today are Muslim. All, all of works. Uh, sword, die by the sword. Uh, I saw Talib, by the way, it was Omar Talib, did you see, have you seen the video? It's a long, old video about making all of America Muslim. Did you see that? need to get that, I need to show that sometime. I mean, if a Christian would, uh, Congress would say, we want to make all, want to convert all of America to Christianity, we'd be branded as crazies, of course, and, and bigots and, and uh, so forth, but uh, she can get away with that, no problem at all. And uh, so we had this old, old covenant, and uh, represented in Mount Sinai, and then we have the new covenant of grace represented by Sarah, the free woman. Isaac, miraculously born. And what's our, new, what's our second birth? What type of second birth is? Religion is, is just works righteousness. But salvation is a miraculous work of God. It's, it's, it's um, like Isaac was born of a miraculous birth to a man of 100 years of age and to a wife of 90. And then... Uh, we see spiritual Jerusalem uh, as opposed to pagan, Jew, or rather, uh, Sodom and Egypt, Jerusalem. I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's, let's go back to verse 20, 23. Uh, but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he that was of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage which is Agar, and Mount Sinai, generous to bondage. This law wasn't given to give life. And once we enter into legalism in the world of legalism and works righteousness or we were a a legal uh, mindset, it just one thing begets another and begets another, begets another. And uh, I give many examples right now here, but... uh, Uh, we'll we'll move forward for time's sake here. Verse 25, For this Hagar Agar, is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Now, kind of hard verbiage, but let's go back to verse 25. We know that Mount Sinai is, of course, in Arabia and it's, it, it's the place where the law was given and it's it's where there's bondage. And Jerusalem, the Bible says, which now is, he's referring to earthly Jerusalem, which is in bondage with her children. Remember, the Paul brushed the dust off his feet. I mean, Israel or Judah, Jerusalem, they, they stayed, the Pharisees, you know, they stayed in the uh, the people of Jerusalem and even in the Church of Jerusalem, they, they wanted to keep, uh, keep this law. They wanted to keep in Jerusalem, just for if you want to reference, you may have it in your Bible if you have a reference Bible. It's uh, Revelation 12, or Revelation 11:8, where earthly Jerusalem is called later on in the Revelation, Apocalypse Sodom and Egypt. This Earthly Jerusalem was was pathetic. Regards to it was it denied the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It denied the, and of course it, it was responsible for, for having uh, G- Jesus crucified in Jerusalem of course, outside the gates, of course. But verse twenty six, but Jerusalem which is above is free. Well, that's a new Jerusalem, isn't it? That's that's the Jerusalem we belong to, not old Jerusalem, but new Jerusalem, which is the mother of us all. And then verse number twenty seven. For it is written, Rejoice thou that rejoice and this is a reference from Isaiah fifty-four verse one, thou barren that bearest not, and break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. Probably a reference to Israel itself, that God brought them out of nothing. And uh they didn't they didn't uh they didn't bear, they didn't uh they they they, they didn't uh travail, but God just brought them out of the dust, if you will the nation of Israel. But then it says, For the desolate hath many more children than, than she which hath a an husband. And again, it's a direct reference. If you have a reference Bible, it's a direct reference to Isaiah fifty-four one. The latter part of verse 27 is probably talking about the Gentiles grafted in with the Jews. In other words, the, the, what we know of today is the church. And by this time in early church history, the Gentiles were outnumbering the Jews as far as Christians go. And we see that he came unto his own, and his own received him not, remember? But as many as received him, the church, the church at first was all Jewish, remember that? They were all Jewish. But then Acts chapter 8 comes, and we see the evolution of, of, of history through the book of Acts. And we see this, the children of the desolate, they're more prolific than the children of the... Uh, uh, that hath a husband, or the Israelites, in other words. Now we brethren, verse 28. Now we brethren, as Isaac was the children of promise, I have a four-fold outline. If you like an outline, I stole this from uh, uh John Phillips here, right? We look at him all the time. And of course, he's a great commentator who just went home to heaven a few, few, couple, three years ago. In fact, uh, just a little sidebar for you. Bobby Robertson was his pastor the last uh, years of his life here. And I think Brother Phil- Phillips went home to be with the Lord uh, maybe two or three years ago now. But he, he's got a four point outline with uh, verses 28 through 31. In fact, let me give you he says 28 is the outlook, 29 is the outrage. 30 is the outlaw, and 31 is the outcome. So you say, what do you, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, let's look at it in a little detail. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. We are the children of promise. We that have been saved by grace. There's an outlook. There's a, hey, the, the worst things that can ever happen in our life, in our eternity, happen Right now in this three score and ten with something we call earthly life. Our worst times of our eternity are right now. And they're not so bad. It's not so bad. (laughs) In fact, it's pretty good. But why? Because we're not children of bondage. We're children of promise. One day we're going to have a reunion. I'm looking at the hearts all of a sudden. One day we're going to have a reunion in heaven forever and ever and ever and there will be no more moving. we, We will all be at home together in our new Jerusalem. So it's a great outlook. We're on the winning side. It's a great outlook. We're not. Uh, we're not still. We're not holding on. He's we're holding on to him. He's holding on to us. That's a great outlook. But then we see Paul goes back and he begins to chide him again. Notice the outrage, verse twenty nine. But then, as he was born, but then as he that was born after the flesh, that would be Ishmael, persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so, it is now. And it's interesting, uh, in fact, I, for the third time, I go back to our congresswomen there from the Islam faith, you know one said it's all about the Benjamins, of course, and uh, they're still in the, the, deriding the condemning Israel, the only democracy in all of the Middle East, of course, and, and uh, they're still to this even now they're, they're condemning Israel even now they're mocking and evidently, you know when Sarah go back to Genesis, it all started when 13 year old Hagar or rather Ishmael was Alive and, and then, of course, when uh, Isaac came on the scene, evidently Ishmael started mocking. He was his daddy's favorite. He was the oldest son, who was this little, and Sarah got ticked off, of course, and said, you're, you're kicking him out. Well, there's an analogy here. There's an allegory here. You see, faith can flesh can't cohabit with spirit. Faith can't cohabit with bondage or the, or the law. They, the, never the twain shall meet. And so Hagar and Ishmael, remember, they were cast out. They had to be cast out because it was by grace. The son of grace was Isaac. So we had the outrage. Uh, verse 29 again. Uh, uh, verse, then verse 30, we see the outlaw. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman, there's the outlaw, and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. I to be careful even here in this friendly crowd here tonight, but uh, you know, Islam is of the devil. It's of it's of, it's of Satan. It's it's uh, cast it out. You know, they the the goal of Islam is to conquer the world. Well, the goal of Christianity really is to conquer through Christ. But we we have a sort of love right now. One day it's, he's going to come up with a different type of sword in the tribulation or, uh, Revelation 19 I'm referring to. So one day there's going to be a bloodbath. The Bible does say it's going to happen. But right now we don't, we're not, we don't conquer by the sword, a physical sword. We conquer by the, the sword of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. We conquer our, our, our method of operation is that of love. The love of Christ constrains us, and we preach the love of Christ. Islam, not so much. And so we see this outlaw. Paul says, cast them out, verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Notice the outcome. We're not children of the bondwoman, but, the, the, but of the free. So we see the outlook. We got a, we're children of promise. We see the outrage, uh, verse verse 29 again, uh, the persecution that takes place, and uh, even to this day it takes place, and now it takes place with Christians uh, being persecuted and around the world and by the children of the flesh. And then we see the outlaw, God says, no, the bondwoman and her son, that needs to be, that's, that's where the outlaw is. The heir to the th- throne is the son of the free woman. And then the outcome, of course, we, we're we brethren, not of the bondwoman, but of the free. So uh, going back to verse number 29, I just have some summary statements here, and we'll be done here tonight. We It talks about Mount Sinai, uh, but we're marching to Zion, right? Marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. And then uh, Psalm 48 says... Uh, for a beautiful situation the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. We're not marching to Sinai. We're marching to Zion. We're Mount Zion. And so we're, we're not going to uh, the place of the law. We're, not going, we're going to a land of grace, not the land of the law. Now, there'll be law in heaven. Don't misunderstand me. And I, wanna, I have to be careful here, and I'll give you some summaries, but I want to close with this. Powerful illustration. I was called on Monday, Monday or Tuesday or yesterday, whatever, it doesn't matter what it was, Monday or Tuesday. I spoke about an hour for the second time with a, and I have to be very evasive on purpose, but a, to a staff member of a very, 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 did I say very yet, very large church, in fact, one of the largest churches in America. If I were to say the church, most everybody here would know, the, know who I'm talking about. I'll leave it on name, but when I got called, they called me. And I have to be evasive, but I also want to get the point across. This dear brother has been, we know several, mut- he was told to call me from uh, some mutual acquaintances and so forth. And, and uh, he's had a tragedy in his family and his life. And he's a longtime staff member of a very, very large church. And uh, this is his word. I didn't. Uh, he's not receiving a whole lot of grace at his large church. That's why I won't. Don't ask me after the service who it is. I won't tell you. And uh, this is a staff member now. And some things happen, and uh, no fault of his own. Some say it might be fault of his own, but and uh, he's beside himself. In the meantime, another party. It goes to a different church. It's not, it doesn't happen to be an independent Baptist church. And I, and I told my dear brother, I said, listen, I'm an independent fundamental Baptist. I know you are, and I'm going to be one until the day I die. And uh, we're not going to change He, He amen me, of course, and we know. But we should be champions of the grace of God more than any other church. We, we that preach the pure gospel of grace. Not that others don't preach the pure gospel of grace, but if anybody should be a champion of God's grace and understand Mercy and compassion, and ought to be our crowd. And all God's people said. Amen. And now this is this is castigating. I'm not hurting, castigating you guys. I'm castigating maybe some of my uh, my, my co-laborers and so forth. And I've I've lived in this world of our Fundamental Baptist movement for many years, folks. We're, I think we're lacking in some grace. I think we're lacking in some things that we claim to know so much about, and uh, he said as he as he uh, explained what was happening. Uh, the another party that's involved in this situation that he's in. That that uh, their church, which is not an independent Baptist church, but a different type of a church, uh, more of a contemporary church, has been just showered been they've been showering everybody with grace on their end of things here, and. Uh, he says, "Us not so much," and uh, we we tend to want to live under law. We live under Sinai rather on Mount Sinai, touch Mount Sinai rather than touch Mount Zion. And uh, Paul calls on these Galatians once and for all. And we're not done. We're, we're just, obviously it's chapter four. and I'm going to try to move along from chapter five and chapter six before the year is out here, and. Uh, Look at this this whole treatise on Christian liberty. We see chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So Paul calls on the Galatians to once and for all choose to decide what they want to be under. If you want to live a life condemning others, get ready to be condemned yourself. If you want to live a life of harshness, and in, in militantness, get ready to have that, some of that brought back on you. It's going to happen. Paul says, Is that how you want to live? Do you want to live under the law or under grace? I mean, if I were to ask you what you want to live under, how many want to live under law? Don't how many don't want to live under grace? I'll take the grace every time. I saw the police officers have been up and down our street last man last week and a half. Construction going on and so forth. I see him. I pulled out of the I pulled out of the parking lot uh, Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was, and uh, they come moving along alongside me. Two cars in the left-hand lane, of course. And uh, right when the second car was right alongside me, the light the siren goes on. It was a state trooper got the person right in front of me, of course. And I, my heart is, uh, oh, man. I thought he wanted me, you know, I'd pull out in front of him. But uh, no, I don't want to live under the law. It makes me nervous. I want to live under under grace. Uh, What do you want to live under, works or faith? I mean, that's a no-brainer. You want to live under works righteousness or the faith that justifies by Christ? What do you want to live under, the flesh or the spirit? The flesh will fail you every single time. But the spirit, spirit of grace, spirit of kindness and he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He seals us to the day of redemption. Do you want to live under bondage or freedom? Lastly, I wrote down, do you want to live under performance or promise? Do you want to live under performance? The reason why those Muslims pray five times a day is they're living under performance. We're saved by grace. I bumped into one of our members, our former members. Uh, Well, I guess they're well, I'll dig a hole here. One of our church attenders attended our church occasionally, once in a very blue moon. And uh, it was real sad. I saw him, saw him uh, Monday, it was, as a matter of fact. And, and uh, they, they're living under promise, evidently. They're, they're saying, Well, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about it. But well, then, should we continue to send the grace Bay pound? <laughs> God forbid. Uh, I wish they would understand that, uh, no, we, you don't have to come to church, and you've got that figured out, but it'd be nice if you did come to church. You don't have to read your Bible, but it'd be nice if you did read your Bible, and you'd be better off for it, and so forth. So Paul says to me, says to these Galatians, you'd be better off to be sons of liberty. You've got freedom, but uh, don't abuse your freedom, and we'll look at that more in the weeks ahead, Lord willing. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that we're free from the law. Oh, happy condition, Lord! It's uh, we're not under bondage. We're not under rules per se. We'd rather live in Mount than on Mount Zion than Mount Sinai, because none of us could survive in Mount Sinai. We'd devour and bite one another and destroy one another. The law doesn't give life, Lord. Uh, but happiest man that lives under the law of Christ against such there is no law, Lord. Help us to live for for Thee we pray. Help us to live uh, under grace, and we'll thank You for it, Lord. Thank You for Your grace, Oh, God. Help us to give grace to others. We pray, and I ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's sing this one verse of free from.